This episode of The Homilist is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri has been focused on the same mission for over 75 years, to train men and women for Christian service. Ozark's Bible Foundation, Christian Community, Global Outreach, and Affordable Cost prepare students to serve in whatever kingdom assignment God has for them. With residential and online degrees, Ozark sends out workers into the harvest field, with 15,000 alumni serving in all 50 states and in 100 countries around the world. Ozark is also glad to offer next-level resources, free videos and webinars for you and your church, led by Ozark professors like Michael DeFazio, Shane J. Wood, and Mark Scott. Next-level resources cover topics like how to read your Bible, the parables of Jesus, and exploring the Enneagram, and much more. Find next-level resources at no cost at occ.edu forward slash next level. And find out more about Ozark Christian College at occ.edu. Welcome back to the Homeless Podcast. This is the season finale. My guest today is Damien Spickright. He is the Executive Vice President of Ozark Christian College. He's also the Professor of Biblical Communications, also known as, or formerly known as, Homiletics. So, this is a great conversation with a guy who does this for a living, and this is a uh, this was an excellent, excellent talk. Uh, I enjoy Damien a lot. I appreciate him doing this, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as well uh also if you want to get a hold of us you want to leave us a message let us know about which one of these uh which one of these conversations have meant a lot to you or if you have a suggestion for somebody you want me to get a hold of who you think would be an excellent uh i would have some excellent dialogue with then email me at the homilist at gmail.com that's the homilist at gmail.com also you can find us on facebook and instagram thank you so much this is my conversation with damien spickray Damien Spickright, welcome to yeah. The Homilist. What a privilege and honor it is. I, I told it's, my kids uh, I was It's really doing, cool. I told my kids I was doing this. They weren't very impressed, so I hope you don't take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't take offense to that. Hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing this really obscure podcast show. Um, <laughs> called, the called The Homilist. They're like, what? <laughs> Here's is what's funny. I went to... Uh, I didn't know if it was a murder mystery podcast. I said, no. That's I don't. Right. I don't think so. I don't think it'll be that. <laughs> I don't think that's what I signed up for. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll tell you what's what's funny is I went to a preaching and teaching convention this year. Um, Thanks for and, coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, so I came and I'm trying to uh, trying to pedal the pedal the homilist uh, podcast just a little bit, and uh, I had two reactions when I was talking to people to the young guys. I said, uh, so I'm doing this podcast. It's called the homilist and the young guy said, what's a homilist? And to the old guys, they said, what's a podcast? You know, that's good. I was just like, sweet. Nice. You really hit your, uh, really hit your demographic right there. Sure. That's yeah. a super job, you know, no. super job. Seriously though, I really do appreciate you doing it. And you know, Ozark is real privileged and grateful to be able to partner with you in a small way. Well, very so, cool. Yeah, very, yeah. very cool. I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about that. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing yeah. all right. You know, we're cruising down the last part of the semester and school year, so it's a lot going on, but it's it's all good stuff. What, what all are you teaching? So I primarily have an administrative role, um, uh, so I serve as executive vice president 
Um, but they also let me in the classroom, which is really I'm grateful for. Uh, so I teach biblical communication, formerly known as homiletics. Uh, but I now see. we call it, call it Foundations for Biblical Communication. So that's what I what I teach. Right on. Right on. That was a uh, that was a that was a life changing course for me. Uh, me as well. Uh, life changing course. Yeah. I mean, that that was pretty that was a pretty powerful deal when I yeah. stumbled into there for the first time, you know. Uh, I love teaching it. It's great. It's a great course. Heard two sermons this morning actually. Did you? Just got out of class. Amazing right. messages, so yeah. Are you are you blown away? Are there students in there that just blow you away? This has been a great semester. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of great students. Uh, two Kenyans in the class right now, um, and man, their messages have been powerful, uh, especially the one today. Something uh, different. Is there something? Yeah, something different about their preaching. Well, they're much more seasoned, and so these two individuals have been in ministry for you know, decades. And so, uh, so they come out of that experience, but they also have a unique cultural background, a unique experience that they bring, bring to the table. Um, I mean, today's message, for example, you know, he's talking about the persecution he's faced and, you know, being attacked with machetes and still preaching the gospel. And the other Kenyan, you know, talked about planning a church with three members and now there's eight churches spread uh, throughout Kenya. And, you know, they're just, their stories are inspiring and their messages match uh, their story. So I know all the students were blessed. Plus they have cool accents and that just makes every message better. I yeah, it sure does. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, there's been times I'm tempted to preach in a British accent, just, <laughs> just to compensate uh, uh, when I started doing this, uh, I'm not going to remember his name. You you may remember his name. You may know his name. Uh, when I started, when I first started this podcast, uh, I worked with Luke Bycroft, and Luke Bycroft immediately said, uh, "I don't know his name, but if get the Scottish guy that's always on the radio, like I want the Scottish guy. Always, better. always, it's always better. Get the Scottish guy. Like I want the Scottish guy." Unless it's like, a Canadian, okay, I don't know really how this works. Unless it's a Canadian accent, and it doesn't. No, you know, that's awesome. There you go. But you're right. You're 100 percent right. Canadian accent is not is not cool. It's just not. There's nothing about it that's interesting, really. You know, it's like you and you only know it like sometimes. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. like yeah, am I talking to somebody Canadian? Like I'm not sure if I. And then right about the time they say a boat, uh, four days, and you're like, oh, oh there, okay. it is. there it is. I knew, I knew he was going to show up here in just a second. So now the contribution of music is pretty good. You know, the Canadians they really think it was Bieber, uh, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Right. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for that. Appreciate that. Just keep just keep up the good work. Just keep being real nice. So, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. But yeah, that's Luke's. That's Luke's big deal. He okay. stopped me the other day. Get me the Scottish guy. <laughs> okay, that's it. Look, there's not a kidnapping. There's not a like a kidnapping agency. Like you don't just call these people, you know, and try to get them. You know, it's not working that way. So, anyway, so it's been pretty good. So as far as the homiletics class, um, you were an Ozark student. Yes. Yeah. And who did you take homiletics with? Uh, J.K. Jones. Oh, wow. The era of J.K. Jones and Mark Scott. And so had 
had both of them for different mm-hmm. preaching courses and then uh, went to Lincoln Christian Seminary. And so JK was actually there as well. And wow. uh, Mark Scott taught a little bit at Lincoln. So took some courses with him, uh, studied under Chuck Sackett. I don't know if that's a name you're familiar with. I'm but familiar with the name, yeah. Sackett and uh, Dr. Wayne Shaw uh, yeah. took preaching courses with him. Um, and so it's been, I've had some good, good professors over the year. Yeah. I recently, I read your recent article in, uh, the standard Christian standard Yeah. on head Robinson. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. Kind of a, a distant mentor is what I call that. So yeah, sure enough, I read all his books and listened or watched all of his sermons. And so yeah. he's obviously meant a lot, obviously as the article indicates, named my son after him. So he's been, yeah. He's been a pretty important uh, figure in my life over the years. Yeah, I uh, when I was when I was there, I had Mark Scott and um, Matt Proctor team taught advanced biblical preaching. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, <clears throat> that was a uh, that's a wonderful wonderful experience there. I mean, just to just to park in there. What's what's interesting about it is the influences, the guys that influenced. But and gals that influenced Mark Scott and Matt Proctor, mm. they would dump these names out over and over and over and over, and they would use them all the time. I mean, like they were old friends, right. you know. Right. And then, as I as I kind of grew and I began to like read more and study more on on preaching and sermons and preachers, and these names would reappear, mm-hmm. you know. And I would see these names again, and I I would just have this vague memory of you know, so, you know Mark Scott or so. You know, Barbara Brown Taylor, you know, or, or yeah. Stuart Briscoe, Joe Briscoe, you know, or even like the notes. Like, I don't know if you still have yours or not, but like Mark Scott gave excellent, excellent uh, notes. Mm. Uh, so if you preach the sermon, you hand it in your draft and uh, or your manuscript. He left excellent notes. I mean, just like pages uh, of, of notes, which was mm. incredible. Now, here's what was really cool. If you turned your. If you turned your manuscript in a day late, he wouldn't give you any notes. And so I think he's aware. I think he's aware how valuable those are. Because he wouldn't give you. And it was like, give me an F on the sermon. Put the notes back on. You know, I mean, it was, I've got one. I've got one day late. No notes. No, no. <laughs> so when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the classroom, are you seeing, are you seeing any differences or any shifts in, uh, in preaching or maybe, maybe just some, uh, just some nuances between the generations, maybe. Uh, yeah. When it comes to the, uh, yeah, I think I think nuances would probably be the right word. I don't know if there's something major shifts. Um, students coming in definitely are are much more exposed to great communication, um, and so mm. and so they're coming in. I would say a, a little bit further along than maybe I, I definitely further along than I was, um, but, but further along than a lot of my classmates at the time. And so, um, they've been greatly impacted by good preaching. They've, you know, watched good preaching, uh, on the internet, um, listened to podcasts of, of great preaching. Um, and so I think they're coming in, um, with some, some maturity in their delivery and, um, and I would say maybe one nuance is they, their tone and their delivery 
just is more genuine and sincere and conversational uh, in really? nature. Um, they're not, you know, trying to sound like a preacher. They don't have that that preacher whine or that preacher voice. Just very, very comfortable, very natural um, delivery. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, uh, certainly. Um, but a lot of stuff that they need to work on are things that are true. You were true for us and continue to be true, just working on the, the structural side of things and how to come up when, with good illustrations, and good stories, and all of those things still still remain true. Yeah. I listened to, uh, I've listened to several of your sermons in preparation to uh, Sutton and, um, wow. and visiting with you. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> Why you subjected yourself to that? I don't know. I don't know why you don't like yourself, but (laughs) no, they're really good. They're really good. Uh, I always envy guys. I always envy guys who can who can run a straight line with a sermon. And and I know that sounds, uh, but isn't it true? Like it's. It's it's kind of like we really never appreciate our own gift. We really only appreciate somebody else's that's true. gift. That is you true. Know, you, know, yeah. you you listen to a Jeff Walling and and you go, "Golly, such a great storyteller!" You know, um, you listen to a, a a Mark Moore maybe, and you think, "What does this guy do in his communion time? I mean, in his like quiet time? Like, what does he? What does that consist of? Like walking in the garden with the Lord, or?" Um, you know, or like a Mark Scott, like just that, that passion, but you never really like you appreciate these things. So for me, when I listen to a guy who can, who can just straight line a sermon and, and there's enough information and enough data and enough um, scripture and enough interesting stories to keep the flow on one thing, you know, to step all the way from the beginning, from dominant thought to conclusion. And that always just blows me away. You know, that just blows me away. Cause yeah. listen, my ADD, my ADD yeah. does not allow for <laughs> all over the grid, you know, all over the grid. So yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So when it comes to your preaching, uh, other than Haddon Robinson, who are some of the other guys that, that have influenced or that you really looked up to or, or you catch inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, I'm surrounded by, I think, some of the best communicators, you know, in the world, in the country. Yeah. So they, they make a big impact on me. We've mentioned a lot of their names already, but uh, but there's a whole bunch more. So if I were to go outside, the, beyond that, outside the Ozark Circle, you know, I mentioned Haddon Robinson for a variety of reasons. Fred Craddock is mm-hmm. one of the most influential, I think, preachers in my life just because of his storytelling um, and I love telling stories and using stories and in, in preaching. And so, um, and really for him, his sermons are great. His writing is writings are, are wonderful. Um, but there are a, there is a compilation of preaching workshops that, that if you can find, they, they're, uh, they're really great. And so those have, those have been really helpful for me over the years from, from Craddock. Uh, I love John Orberg. I, mm. I, I tell my wife I kind of have a man crush on John Orford. He's a, he's a guy. Um, yeah. He's known for his writing, obviously, but uh, he's one of my favorite preachers, just one of my favorite guys to listen to. And just think he has such a genuine pastoral heart in his preaching. 
Um, one of my good friends is John Weiss. And so I, I always listen to John's sermons and, uh, and his counterpart as well. Um, Scott Nichols. So they do a great job and uh, appreciate their preaching. So I really, that's, I just, I just love that kind of, I don't know, preaching that's really directed towards brokenness and hurting people and weaving in testimonies and stories and um, uh, helping people connect in that way to the text. So those are the kinds of preachers that I I find myself drawn to. Yeah. Craddock is a, Craddock is one one of those voices that you can't, like you can't unhear some of that stuff. Like you hear the story and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's just these, those iconic stories that he tells and, and, you know, you start talking about the one where there's a cat in the, in the middle of the highway. It's great. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. um, what, what's the line about the farmer? There's a line about the farmer. He's, he's on a, uh, He's on a uh, on a rented tractor, mm. uh, rearranging the dust on a mm. leased field or something along those lines. I mean, just the yeah. um, don't call it a list. Don't call don't, it a list. Romans sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Don't call it a list. You know, <laughs> I was just I was just listening to that one here uh, a little while back, and I was at a buddy of mine with me. I said, "You got to hear this. You got to hear this guy." And I played it for him, and you know, of course, Craddock's just whiny voice just doesn't. <laughs> But somehow it just carries a lot of weight to it, you know. So yeah, that's that's, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah so that's that's a big name for me. But yeah, a lot of a lot of guys today though that I really I love love Kyle's preaching, Kyle Eidelman. And, yeah, yeah. Went at Southeast and. Are you still doing? Are you still teaching? Uh, teaching pastor at, at, uh, at Carter, Carter? Yeah, Carter. Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a guy with like way too many jobs. Um, I. I have several hats. Yeah. So, you know, obviously work here at the college and part-time teaching pastor at Carterville, which is, I love it. Um, do some coaching as well on the side. Um, but yeah, so things I love. So that's what I'm filling my life with. <laughs> well, listen, I counted, uh, I counted a, a great, a great, uh, a great honor that you would take some time to come and, and do this because you sound like you've got plenty of other places to be. So now I'm a podcast contributor. So <laughs> well, good, good. That there you go. good. That's right. Put that on your list. Hey, when it comes to your sermon writing, when it comes to your sermon writing process, um, uh, well, let me back up. Are you a better teacher or a preacher? Oh boy, that's tough. Oh man. I, I, I probably, uh, would gravitate towards the preacher side, I would say. Yeah. Um, probably more comfortable in that role. Um, other than teaching preaching, that subject I get excited about. So, I, you know, I don't know. You have to ask my wife. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she has an opinion about that. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Well, um, when you do get to preach, when you do get to preach or, or teach at, at the church, um, how does your wife, how does your wife talk about your preaching or your teaching when you're done? When I'm done, she's yeah. very supportive. She's yeah. a very supportive wife. Yeah. That's good. She's, a, she's an encourager at heart. And so she's, she's typically very encouraging. Um, other than, 
I, I, I like to tell jokes in my sermons, and so it's a bad habit. I just can't break myself up. She doesn't like that so much. She's All not, right. She's not in that camp. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's one I it's one I get from my wife. She's like, I like it when you try when you when you're not trying to be funny. When you're like, not when, trying to be funny, right? When it happens naturally, it's different. But when you, I like it when you're not trying to be funny. Yeah, but, I just I can't help it though. Just, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. All right. All right, thanks, babe. Thanks, babe. Man. Yeah, so that's good. So when it comes to your when it comes to your uh, sermon writing and your and your and your preaching, how does your writing process uh, your writing process begin? Um, for example, yeah. when I talked to Albert Tate, uh, Albert Tate said, um, I always start with the end in mind. My goal is to capture the lunch table conversation after church. Like mm. that's, I want to find a way to intercept all that. So that's where I start with the end in mind on what needs to happen in the room. That kind of, that kind of mentality, which I thought was super interesting and not a direction, not a direction I would come from. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. That is good. That's yeah. real good. Yeah. Well, uh, oh boy, I, um, I'm a muller. I don't know if that word means anything. I, I just, I mull over things for a long period of time. So I like to know way in advance what I'm preaching on. And so one of my roles as teaching pastors is to help design sermon series and mm. be a part of that uh, construction process. And so, yeah, having that sermon series and knowing what that topic is, knowing what that text is way in advance because I just I just like to process it and, and mull over it. So reading that scripture and again and again and again, the text, thinking over the topic, reading resources surrounding that topic um, without any sermon necessarily in mind, just, just mulling it over and, and thinking it through and, you know, those intentional meditation moments, but a lot of times it's those unintentional, accidental when you're in the shower or yeah. in a conversation, just just kind of letting it incubate in my in my brain and heart. And so that's that's probably where I start. It's kind of in that mulling uh, period. Um, out of that, then usually coalesces some sort of dominant idea or direction. I like to call it even if I don't have the exact words nailed down. Um, but a clear direction. Um, and I, I have a little journal and I just take that thing everywhere with me. And so uh, when I hear it or think it kind of start, start there, write down that idea. And then everything kind of flows from that point. Um, so I kind of think like in my mind, visualize it as a funnel. Uh, we're just kind of far out there, wide thoughts, expansive thoughts, hearing, reading, but eventually it comes to a point and, and it's that, that direction or that clear idea. And then once I've got that point, then everything else can kind of flow from it. Yeah. Um, so, so it's very, yeah, once I get to that point, um, then it becomes fairly systematic for me. Um, then I'm thinking through structure and creating the, the framework. Once I have that structure, I can then start to, to flush it out. Um, and, uh, and then when I'm ready to start fleshing it out, usually two, three weeks in advance, I just start typing. I don't, I just sit at my computer and preach at the screen. Um, you know, I have a window on my office where I often write my sermons and people can see into my office. So 
they probably think I'm crazy in here just talking away and I just type and type and there's no editing. There's no, it's just stream of consciousness. Um, and a lot of times the finished product or at first draft product is way longer than it, than it needs to be. And then let it sit for a little while. Then I go back and, um, clean things up, tighten it up, delete a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> right. Um, and then, so then in a way, the editing process to me is like the opening brainstorming process, the mulling yeah. process. Then I just stew over those, that manuscript for, for weeks at a time. Do you, do you, ex, do you, ex, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I obsess over it. It becomes, I just can't stop. I dream about it and think about it constantly. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's a healthy process or not. But it sounds, it sounds painful. I'll be, I'll be honest. <laughs> it really is. So. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's uh, uh I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a painful process. I mean, I think it, I think it preaching and, and the study of preaching and what it requires to, I mean, I'm happy to hear that it's a, that it's kind of a grinding process for you because there's nothing worse than finding out that there's somebody who preaches on a weekly, you know, five (laughs) hours, I'm done. No problem. I mean, I read the passage. I think to myself, like, (laughs) it's just like crazy because then the outline just comes together and I show up at church. You do preach from notes. I don't use notes. Sometimes I, I, yeah, no, that's not me at all. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm way out in advance of it, and just oof, yeah, but I love it. It's it's great. Does uh, does anybody hear your sermon before you before you preach it? Do you do you make anybody else suffer underneath it? Um, not intentionally. Uh, I'm once I once I have the sermon done, I'm practicing it constantly, and so like when I'm driving, I'm practicing it under my breath, mumbling it. So my poor wife or kids have to put up with. Uh, Sometimes I'll like, I like to practice the stories that I have in there, the story portions. And so I'll be like, Hey kids, I have kids. You want to hear my sermon? And they're like, no, we don't. And I'm like, well, you want to hear the stories? Yeah. Listen to the story. We'll put up with the story. So, so great. people will hear bits and pieces like that. So I'll practice the stories. I'll uh, practice out loud. So people maybe overhear it, but nothing intentional. No, like, yeah. Hey, sit down. Here's the sermon. Yeah, that's excellent, and that's true. That's 100 percent true. You know, uh, after uh, after church yesterday, my my youngest daughter she said, uh, I said I said, who are you sitting with at church this morning? And she said, oh, I was sitting with uh, sitting with Allie, her sister, and uh, and her friend Ashton. And I said, oh, I said, oh, I didn't see you over there. I said, well, I said, was church good? And she said, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> we started started backpedaling real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, well. She said, and she's she's so gracious. She said, "I just really love it when you're in a sermon series with a lot of stories." Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, Great, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, with, I'm with you. When I go topical, it gets gets a little, <laughs> it's a little uh, like a Ritalin infused rant. You know, that's what they, all it becomes. So. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the questions I sent you, I'm interested to, I'm interested to know how much, um, 
how much transparency, self-disclosure are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with listening to your stuff uh, online? The things that the things that uh, that I found on on like iTunes and the podcasts, um, sermons that were uploaded. Uh, you're 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 a fairly transparent guy. I mean, you you yeah. talk about a lot of you talk about a lot about. I mean, just your own your own life, where you come from. Um, are you pretty 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 open with that? It seems so. Yeah, um, it's it's natural for me. So yeah, it's um, obviously need to find the balance and uh, talk about appropriate self disclosure. But yeah, uh, definitely comfortable with that transparency. Um, a lot of times that I will run by my wife in advance. And so, um, so I'll allow her to be a, a check on all of that. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to, you know, I'm thinking about telling this story or talking about this particular experience. How does that come across? How do you hear that? Yeah. And, and, you know, try to help her have her help me find some caution in, in that um, so a lot of times, or, or I'll have her read it. I manuscript everything. And so I'll have her read through that. And, and she's very helpful in that regard. You know, obviously I, I talk a lot about my kids and tell stories about my kids. And so um, most of the time I run that by them. <laughs> it's the worst when it's the worst when you think of one like in the middle and you're like, Oh, that's a perfect match. Like I should tell it. Like, oh, I didn't ask. Okay. I'm telling it. I'm telling it. Here it right. comes. You know? The unplanned stuff, you know, that gets you in trouble. Yeah, it sure will. It sure will. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, I mean, for me, it's, it's scripture as the filter. And so if the sermon is, is running through the filter of my exposition of the text, my study of the scripture, that the, you know, so, for me, like I think of a sermon typically having three to five ideas that make up the framework of the sermon. Um, and so if each of those three to five to six ideas are truly based upon an accurate understanding of the text, if that's my foundation, if that's the building blocks of the mm -hmm. sermon, um, then I'm applying those to my own life, my own struggle with those ideas my own experiences, the experiences of others, the testimonies of others. Um, but as if I'm sharing those experiences and those fears that I may have, or those anxieties or insecurities that I may have. Um, but if they're based upon that, those building blocks, those firm foundation building, because my feelings and my struggles, they're fleeting and they're here today and gone tomorrow. And right. I don't know that they're real beneficial to anybody, you know? Um, right. So I think the danger um, that we need to to face is that we're not building our sermons based upon our struggles or our fear or our anxiety or our insecurities. You know, the sermon is not a therapy session, right? Uh, an opportunity to confess and to vent and to, um, you know, to receive consoling in those moments. But if the foundation of the sermon is the text and the ideas that are drawn from the text and any personal stories I tell, any self-disclosure is running through that filter, then I think it can be beneficial and it can be exhortive and um, people can identify with it in that regard. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm yeah, saying. sure it does. Sure it does. Well, let me take it a let me take it a step further. Um, as a as a teaching as a teaching pastor at the church you're at, are you also an elder there? I I am. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in a situation, in a situation at your place, because I know, I know here. I mean, I kind of know how we operate. Uh, where you are, if um, if your preacher or or somebody at a church that you're working with comes in and they say, you know, hey, I'm going through this thing, and my marriage is kind of in trouble, and my kids are kind of in this place. As an as an elder, what's what's a good move? What's a good move for you guys as far as how you how you handle this preacher? And I know there's a ton of variables in there, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking just best case scenario, a guy comes in and he says, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm really got a problem right here. And I'm, I'm trying to, trying to deal with this and kind of iron some things out. What's the, what's the, what's the response? What's the advice that you give or the counsel that you give in that situation? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there needs to be a, a pre-step, I guess, a, okay. a pre-step, you know, before that, and we have this happen quite, quite, quite a bit. We have a decently large staff. And so there's always challenges that they're working through. And um, so the pre-step I, is creating the kind of environment, mm. a healthy environment where one of our pastoral staff members would feel comfortable at any point in time, disclosing, sharing with the eldership or with fellow staff members their personal struggles. Mm. They know their job's not on the line, that they're not going to be judged or condemned by any means, but yeah. that they're going to step into a community that loves them and is going to support them and, and stick with them. And so, so that's a whole other discussion, right? That's a whole sure. other podcast sure. on how to create that healthy environment. But that that's the stuff that has to happen before the crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so being a praying community, being an encouraging community, you know, our, one of the key characteristics of our staff is that they love to have fun. I mean, we just love to to laugh and enjoy one another. So those are the things that I think need to happen before the crisis or before the challenge. Yeah. Once the, when, when that's established, once the crisis happens or the challenge is, is being faced, then I think it starts small and it, and it can expand beyond that. But a small group, a small community, um, I think faithfulness and prayer for one another. So we, we pray together a lot uh, over things. Um, and then another, another step beyond that would be, um, count, you know, whether it's counseling, pastoral counseling, professional counseling. Um, so we have relationships with area counselors and any of our staff members know that if there's something they need to work through, that that's a perfectly normal and healthy thing for them to do. That there is no stigma at all. If there's a personal or relational struggle in their life and they need to, they need to sit down with a counselor and and work through that. We're going to pay for it. And, and it's going to be confidential and, and supported and encouraged. And so I think that's a key part of the process. Yeah. Um, and, and then maybe the, the last thing I'd say is, is the follow-up. A lot of times, I know I can be guilty of this, you, you're in the moment, you're tackling the challenge, um, but it's so easy the way life, the pace of life, to just kind of move on to the next thing, but making sure there's that healthy follow-up um, a year later, two years later, five years later. And that's where longevity in ministry, I think, is, is so good. Yeah. To have staff members that, are, that have been there for a long time, and um, I think allows for that that follow up and accountability to be in place. Are you or someone you know wanting to make a difference with your life, but you're not sure where to start? At Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, 
They help students discover the kingdom assignment that God has for them and then train them to carry it out. Ozark prepares students for all kinds of Christian service, biblical communication, biblical justice, youth and children's ministry, counseling, missions, organizational leadership, worship and creative arts, and much more. Ozark's close community, Bible Foundation, and commitment to service prepares students to take the gospel to every corner of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. And Ozark's affordable tuition offers a quality private Christian education at a public university price. Ozark Christian College, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing, nothing sells your, nothing sells your, your congregation or your church or even your, your pulpit, you know, candidates for, for hire when you sit down and you say, excuse me, when you sit down and you say, look, the church has been the church to me, Mm. you know, like they have been, Mm. it's not, it's not like the church isn't me leading the church. Mm. This church brought me in, bandaged my wounds, looked after me, put me back together and then put me back into leadership. That's a pretty powerful thing, you know? Uh, I got to sit down with some guys not long ago and they were, they were just discussing church stuff. And when you get in a healthy place, you get in a healthy church somewhere and you've got really good, strong men around you and women around you, just staff people who are just solid. You get, you almost forget how absolutely unhealthy some places can be, Mm -hmm. you know, and (laughs) hearing some guys talk, I was like, what I for like, I forgot, like, I forgot some of that's, some of that's out there, you know, some of that heavy stuff of these guys just, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Like I can't, we can't do anything. We can't. And I'm like, Oh, like this, yeah. is, this hurts, you know, this hurts. You no, know? in a lot of ways that starts at, I mean, you, to kind of direct a focus on the preacher or the senior leader at, at that elders meeting. I mean, it all trickles down. If your elders meeting is all about business budgets yeah. yeah less about prayer and relationship People, building. yeah and that it's not, it's not gonna it's gonna affect everything else and it, it, nobody will be able to really connect the dot nobody's going to be able to say oh there's something missing in this community connect the dot oh and it has it's probably because of the elders meetings they're not right. going to connect that dot but but there's a line there yeah yeah and so I love our elders meetings. I love them. I mean, they have something to look forward to and yeah. just laughing and personal life stuff and prayer for people. There's a lot of, uh, it's a business and we're out of here, you know, <laughs> that's so, right. That's right. Well, I'm all about the business. I mean, I'm going to lead administrator, but that right. stuff happened outside in other, absolutely in other meetings and yeah. places. Um, so I think protecting that, that's a sanctuary time. That's a special time. Yeah, make about prayer and people. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was talking about a, a, a church opportunity that that kind of presented itself, and and he was telling me everything that he was going to go in and 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 kind of discuss and talk about, and and you know, here's some things that I think I need to I need to kind of lay out for him, and you know, kind of ask them, you know, you know, as far as you know, here's some things I can do. I can do this, and I need to kind of try to sell kind of try to sell myself a little bit on this thing. And, and I, I kind of stopped him and I said, hold on a second, hold on. They're not just interviewing you. Okay. Like this is like a lot of the stuff that (laughs) happens in ministry and the situations that unfold, like 
probably could have been resolved in those initial meetings of, is this a place I really want to be? Is this the kind of fights and kind of battles that I'm going to have on a regular basis? I mean, just, just a little bit of insight into, you know, so what's the situation? What's the protocol for a situation like this? Or what happens in this kind of deal? Or, you know, just asking some of those questions in the, on the front side of ministry, you know, I know there's been a lot of, a lot of young guys uh, who've, who've listened to this podcast and some of the conversations we've had have been about, you know, the, um, the, the the young guy coming into ministry or maybe in, into a first ministry. And it's kind of one of those, look, you're, it's not just, Oh, I hope they like me and they hire me. Like, I hope you like them, you know? All right. Yeah. I hope, you I really hope you enjoy look, each other. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I mean, you, enjoy each other. you would, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pick a spouse that way. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I hope she likes me. Do you like her? I don't know. I'm pretty just good with it. It doesn't work that way. You know, we, we have a, we have a saying at my house and I tell my girls all the time, listen, we don't pick boys like we pick puppies. Okay. You know, just because it licks you in the face doesn't mean you have to bring it home. All right. It's you make sure you like it too. You know, that uh, it's kind of the, kind of the same thing with, with, um, with, with, with ministries sometimes. Um, when when you when you see young preachers come through and maybe even when you look back on um on your on your your own preaching um what are some of the pitfalls some of the pitfalls of preaching that uh that you see people fall into you see guys fall into on a regular basis and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to just be in you know uh, style or structure uh, it can be spiritual I mean, it can be um, anything like that what do you what do you what do you see some of the pitfalls um, <clears throat> to to focus on the preaching uh, if yeah we, uh, sure to the detriment of the more broader general ministry pitfalls but the preaching pitfalls oh i i guess a few things that come to mind um these are my own pitfalls to be honest um focusing on more on performance rather than substance so i think that's something we all have to and I, I think just looking back, I was very concerned with the delivery and the performance of the message and how I use my notes and not using my notes and dynamics. And, and all of that's important. I talk a little bit about that, you know, in class, but, um, but, but focusing on that performance rather than having rich content that's meaningful and genuine and sincere mm-hmm. and honest to the word. Um, so, so that would be one, one thought. Um, I don't know how to say this. Um, it's a preaching for me is a craft. I mean, it's something you work on. And so, so the pitfall of not working on that sermon, um, fine tuning that message. Um, and the article you mentioned, uh, the, the, Christianity, uh, the Christian Standard article, uh, I quote a seminar that I went to and somebody asked the, the, the workshop leader, what's the difference between a good sermon and a great sermon? That's right. I loved his answer. He said about five hours, which is a, a great, <laughs> a great answer. It's just those extra five hours of, of work. And to me, it's recognizing that preaching is a ministry of the word in and of itself, that that 15 to 20 hours you take working on a sermon 
it's ministry. Like you are healing brokenness. You are bringing life into death. I mean, it, it has a powerful effect on people's lives and can restore broken families and relationships. And so just working on it and not getting lax or lazy in the, in the small details of the sermon. So you talk about, you know, the straight line idea. I mean, that, that doesn't happen on accident, right? Right. And a homiletical structure, parallel ideas, thoughtful transition statements, you know, illustrating if, if your sermon has five ideas, making sure every one of those ideas is, is illustrated in some way to bring it to life. I mean, it's, it's that extra attentiveness to detail that, I mean, I think makes a difference. And so not losing that along the way. Um, I think that's a pitfall is, is staying locked yeah. to those details. Yeah. Thanks for that. Those are good. Those are real good. Um, th- that's probably the main difference between the good sermons that I preach and the not good sermons I preach. It's probably those same five hours. That's probably what, that's probably yeah, what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those same, those same five hours. So, uh, Hey, when it, uh, um, what, what passages of scripture, I don't know if you saw this question on here, what passages, <laughs> <laughs> what passages of scripture make you laugh? Do you, do you have one? Oh, make me laugh. Oh yeah. I remember that question now. That you yeah. Mentioned. Oh, I, uh, Jesus parables. I just, uh-huh. we miss the humor. I think sometimes, and a lot of times the humor is based on social, cultural, historical background. But when you un- unlock some of that historical background, um, so Jesus makes me laugh more than probably anybody mm-hmm. reading his teaching and, you know, speck of sawdust in your, you know, somebody else's eye and there's a plank, just that yeah. the imagery of his teaching makes me laugh out loud when I read it. Um, you know, the seed that falls on good and fertile soil will produce an abundant harvest 30, 60, a hundred times. I mean, like that doesn't make us laugh initially, but then you, unpack a little of that historical background and you recognize like that's so far beyond any concept that a first century farmer could have. And just imagining people in the audience, probably audibly laughing out loud when Jesus said something like that. And I think, I mean, I think Jesus laughed right with him. And I mean, that's, that's how I picture Jesus. The teacher is just someone who smiles when he's teaching and is, exuberant and joyful even when he's saying the hard stuff yeah i think he does it with um with laughter in in between and so uh, i don't know if that answers your question but absolutely absolutely no it's the humor of jesus that's that's what that's some pretty funny stuff in the old testament too that make me laugh (laughs) some of the stories but yeah yeah i get uh i get super amped up i was reading uh i was reading jonah the other day (laughs) Yeah. And it's yeah, like <laughs> irony, right? The irony of scripture. That's, you know, here's the thing that here's the thing that that kind of that kind of hit me between the eyes is <laughs> like this the stuff that God says. Like, there's so much about animals in that in that whole in that whole story that I I had never noticed before. And <clears throat> you know, God God prepared a fish. <laughs> For Jonah, you know, God prepared a vine for Jonah. God prepared a worm for Jonah, you know, like all these things like God. And even at, even at one point, um, I, he comes to Jonah and he says, you know, what are you so mad about? You know, what are you, what are you so mad about? 
Just get mad about this vine. You just mad about this vine that just fell over, just landed, just wilted up right there on you. You mad about that? That's what you're mad about? <laughs> it's like, I can't believe you. You get so mad about that. It's a little worm. It's a little caterpillar. A little caterpillar ruins your day. That's what happened. Just a little bitty caterpillar just ruined you. Oh. How fragile are you? You know, like this whole thing. And then oh. at one point, God says something to him like, uh, you know, all those people, all those people in Nineveh that are going to die. <laughs> and, then he says at the end, and the animals, too. <laughs> I was like, I bet you at this point, Jonah's like, look, I'm so sick of all your animals. Like every time I turn around, you're talking about talking about animals. <laughs> like, what about the animals? Like, you know what? No, I don't care. You know, that one just got me, man. I got tickled about that. I was like, God, God, just put this thing out there, you know, and you know, tell them all to fast, even the animals. And like, hey, you're gonna be mad about this vine? You're not even mad about sad about the people that could die and all the animals? You know, just love it. I mean, it just. Yeah. It had me, it had me going. I left the gym the other morning. I was sitting in the truck before I went inside, and yeah, I didn't even know what time it was. It was like six in the morning. I'm reading this. And I'm just snickering. I'm like, I bet you, but I bet you at this point he was like so over God and all his animals, you know. And then, and then you see the story just end. Like Jonah don't even respond. He's like you know what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You got me with that animal thing. So, yeah, that's that's a that's one that. That's the one that really gets me. I thought that was great the other day. So, uh, hey, yes, a stylist notices a complicated hairstyle, right? A singer notices talented vocalists. Okay. When it comes to preaching, what do you notice? Oh, um, the ability to make hard things accessible. Mm. Um, the ability to take top shelf things, ideas, concepts, and put them on the bottom shelf, um, to make the cookie jar accessible to all, you know, where everybody, and, uh, the ability to communicate in such a way that long time Bible thinkers, followers of Jesus, are being challenged and encouraged by the words. And at the very same time, the exact same message, unbelievers, people who are far from the Lord are being convicted and moved. And so that ability to traverse those chasms, those divides, those wide array of audience members. um, I think that's something I I pick up on and, and notice. That's cool. And there's a lot that goes into that, I, I recognize. But when it comes to the people in, in ministry, it is a real beat up group sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. um, that need a lot of encouragement. So for the guys that are that are in the pulpit, mm-hmm. preaching on the regular, in that grind, maybe the maybe they're bivocational, maybe they're the single guy on staff, they are the children's minister and the preaching minister. And they have to wash the communion cups um, or the turning pipes as a plumber swinging a hammer and trying to do ministry at the same time. What kind of encouragement uh, do you have for those guys who find themselves stagnant uh, or stale uh, or overwhelmed with ministry? What can you what can you give them um, in terms of of encouragement? Well, first matters. And I know that's kind of obvious, but 
the the little things, the unnoticed things, the small things, seemingly small things, really they make a difference. Um, and so the encouragement to to keep being faithful in those small things. Um, I think secondly, I know I know this is a word used often, so I'm still going to go there. But community matters. The, the, the small things matter. Community matters, and so. And I, and I even break that down into two parts, the community that you're a part of. So looking within your local church for that encouragement that you need, it's mm-hmm. there. God has supplied it. Trust that God has supplied it. So look for that friendship, look for that, for that joy within the community, but also recognize there's community outside of your community. So there we're here at Ozark or whatever Bible college is down the road from where you are. Um, there's parachurch organizations, there's other churches around you that you can build that community outside of your local community. I think both have power. Um, and so just encouragement to find that community inside and outside uh, where you are um, would be an encouragement I would give. And then, um, you know, just the, that regular time in the word, I don't think there's any substitute for it. Um, I know for me, whenever I'm over, I, I struggle just my own. I get afraid just of unknown things and uncertainties can cause fear within my own heart. Um, that can be discouraging. And the irony is when I'm afraid or when I'm insecure, um, I have to be more intentional to spend time in his word when it should be the opposite, right? that fear and that anxiety should drive me to the word, but uh, just my own struggle is that I have to make a conscious effort and make a choice to maintain that discipline of regular scripture reading. And so for me, the number one, I mean, to the, the, the spiritual discipline that dictates all other spiritual disciplines is scripture reading is eating this book, right. To use Eugene Peterson's language. Yeah. Um, and, and so just <clears throat> to spend time in the word that's in alone um, or in community. And there's a lot of great resources to help, to help us do that. Um, I love, I'm going to use this as a plug if that's okay. Cause I think yeah. it's an encouraging resource, but Ozark does have free video resources, Bible study resources called next level. And you can go to our website, download those resources. And so um, I share that in this context because I think it can be an incredible encouragement to somebody who's feeling alone right now uh, that they can have Bible study with Michael DeFazio. They can sit down and have Bible study with Chad Ragsdale, with Shane Wood. Um, and I think that can be an incredible encouragement to the soul to be able to do that. So I'd encourage your <clears throat> listeners to, to check that out. Yeah, well, you are, uh, you are definitely an encouragement, I think, uh, to all of us. Uh, thank you for your words. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for your investment, not, not only in the school, but in the, in the local church uh, where you are and doing what you're doing. And that stuff makes a world of difference. I mean, it makes a world of difference. And so, man, I appreciate you a bunch. Appreciate what you're doing. And um, thanks for doing this. I do want to tell you two things. Uh, two things I really appreciate about your preaching. Um, <clears throat> one, number one, it doesn't have as much to do with your preaching as it is just, just you personally. Um, you, you first have a really good voice. I don't know that you need a British accent, but you do have, 
do you do have a good you do have a good bassy you do have a good bassy voice and that's a that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> when I go back and I hear my preaching, it's like I get excited and the the more excited I get, the more my voice goes up and the more I get worse and worse and you know I have to tell myself, hey, you need to calm that down, calm that down. You don't sound like a you don't sound like a man right now. You sound you sound like a like a pubescent boy and you you do you got a good bassy voice. That's a really that's a really cool thing. Um, I think that's a uh, think that I think that helps. I think there's a little bit of it's ear candy. Damien, that's what we, that's what we call it. It's well, ear candy. Early, you know? early in my preaching, I had a woman uh, in the audience say after the sermon, well, at least we could hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Nice, nice try. <laughs> nice right? try, yeah. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, so uh, I do appreciate that. I appreciate the appreciate the ear candy. Um, you uh, you know, there's times <laughs> you got to be honest about this. You pull up a podcast. If you're going to listen to, I got a couple of podcasts that I absolutely love. I love to listen to, um, but when they change up the host a little bit, maybe somebody's going to fill in and it's a different voice. Yeah. And somebody comes on and is like, "Yeah, so uh, I want to begin," and it's just like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no." can't do it and the same with preachers if i pull one up and i'm like everybody's been talking about this guy and he gets on and i'm like (laughs) i don't care listen i don't care how great or how many campuses he has i'm not listening anymore i can't do it i can't do it you know so i do appreciate that a bunch that's you you make that an easy listen and that's a good deal the other thing like i said earlier i appreciate a lot is the uh the straight line that that you that you carry in your sermon. And I know that's, I know that's the discipline of working through the text and that's that extra five hours and that's that craft that you're talking about. But man, I really do appreciate that. That's a, that's a powerful thing, especially for, especially for a guy like me that doesn't pay attention for very long. Uh, So yeah. So I appreciate that a bunch. Hey, thank you for, uh, thank you for being on here. I appreciate that a bunch as well. For having me. And and again, thanks for what you're doing. It really makes a difference. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll let you get to your day. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you. Uh, catch up with you later. I get back over that direction. I'll swing in and say hello. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Damien, thanks. thanks a bunch. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. That will do it for another season of the Homeless Podcast. I'm looking forward to season four. It's going to be a good one. I've got some really, really cool stuff lined up. I'm excited to talk about. We got a Kyle Eidelman coming on. We got a Rob Bell coming on. I got a uh, got a secret guest coming on. I don't even know that I'm going to share this guy's name. Not even when it airs. This guy's got some really really deep stuff to talk about. This is going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. So, all right. Thank you for listening. If you want to find a way to be a part of the Homeless Podcast, you can go to the website at www.thehomeless.com, or you can email me at thehomeless@gmail.com. Have a good day. See you.